Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. everybody welcome to 2020 2019 is now in the rearview mirror lots of great stuff happened in 2019 lots of great things happening in 2020 namely the stadium tour with motley crew def leppard poison and joan jet this is jay scott this is the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast hope everyone is slowly recovering from their new year's eve celebration we welcome back one of our very first guests on the podcast, Sharice Brown. How are you doing, Sharice? Hey, Jay. Thanks so much for having me back. I'm doing great. I am ecstatic about having you back. I know we we talked about doing a couple different things over the past few months, and the schedules just didn't jive, but now we all have some downtime here during the holidays. It's a, a perfect time to talk about some Motley Crue stuff that uh, – we all know and love the bad boys of rock and roll. They've got the big tour that was announced in the last quarter of 2019, about a month ago. It's been a big story ever since. And we are going to talk about it because there's a lot to chew on with this. A lot of different angles with the tour announcement. A lot of different things happening with it. You are the biggest Motley Crue fan that I know. What are your thoughts on the reunion tour? I am a huge Motley Crue fan, so um, I have to admit, um, you know, initially my uh, my husband was like, oh, you, you, this has got to, like, make your year, and I was like, not really, you know, I felt a little duped, to be honest, this is hard for me to say this about my uh, about my guys, but, um, you know, we went to L.A. for the last show, um, New Year's Eve 2015, because it was the final tour. They were never going to tour again. We were never going to see them again. They spent months talking about that. Um, let me see some things that Nikki said. We don't want to be that band. Um, we don't want to announce a final tour and then be touring 20 years later. Uh, we don't want to play at state fairs. I mean, there are so many things and specific examples that they gave um, about you know, reasons that it was going to end and how adamant they were. Hey, look it off. We signed a contract. Um, it was just, it was a, my initial reaction is that I felt duped. I guess that's just the easiest way to say it. More than excitement, it just hadn't sunk in yet. Because when rumors started circulating, you know, everybody started coming to me, oh, what do you think, what do you think? And I'm like, that's not true. They're not going to do it. And then I started kind of believing, okay, they might do it. Because other bands started talking about it. You know, the sporting bands, Death Leopard, Poison. And then I was checking everyone's 
upcoming tour schedule and they'd all cleared their calendars. And I was like, oh man, okay, this might happen. So even with just all the time to kind of process it, you know, I mean, I, I took a trip to LA to, to go to that show where they recorded it. They talked to a bunch of people in line. You know, I was, I was there. Um, I was one of them. So I don't know. I just, it was final and it was a bummer when it happened. It took me a long time to kind of let it sink in that I was never going to see them again because I've seen them over 75 times. Um, so it just, it was interesting. But now, I mean, that being said, um, I totally went for it as VIP seats coming up, meet and greet, all that stuff. I totally, I went, I went full throttle on, um, the show itself, but my initial reaction was, uh, not totally, not totally jazzed about it, to be honest. Well, in the music industry, when bands tour and bands have the career that a act like Motley Crue had, has had, they have the farewell tour. And there's only one thing that makes more money than the farewell tour, and that is a reunion tour. When they, <laughs> and, and when they did the whole press conference with signing the contract, I... Love the publicity stunt that they did. I thought it was a great thing, a unique thing that they, you know, were doing with the contract. But deep down, I never bought it. I always thought at some point, if there is an opportunity for Motley Crue to tour again or a reason for Motley Crue to tour again, they will do it. I didn't know how long it was going to be. I thought it would be at least, you know, maybe closer to 10 years, but... With the success of the movie The Dirt, I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to happen. Um, Do you think it was, because in hindsight, I believe they kind of, you know, left it open to way, should we do this? Not necessarily a plan, if I'm making myself feel a little better, but I believe in this. I, I, I really do. I think they left it open to, if The Dirt is successful, let's see how this goes. That kind of thing. Because you said you referred to his, his publicity stunt. And that's kind of what I thought, too, until like four years went by. And I was like, this is real, you know, um, or even a year or two went by. And Nikki's working on or is working on um, the Heroin Diaries going to Broadway. And, you know, Vince was in full. Uh, he never really stopped his solo tour. Um, Nick had recorded some stuff, which I heard they actually kind of blocked it from being really um, I don't know if there's any truth to that. I just, I saw that in a couple different places um, online. So then that stuff kind of started making me think, okay, like maybe that's, that's they really are going to do this. But um, it didn't seem like a stunt at the time because so much time had, had gone by and they didn't do anything to even indicate they might be getting back together. No, I, I would so agree. I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. Absolutely. Um, I, I just think that, when they when they did that big to do press conference, I think that there was no intention of getting back together. I mean, they were pretty much at odds, all four members, you know. And yeah. yep. you know, from what I've heard, you know, there were there were a couple. There was one bandmate in particular that just wanted to put an end to it, and you know, and and, and they ended up doing that. I mean, they were not friends quote unquote they were not even social with each other towards the end of that show um and i think with the development of the dirt i think they reconnected a little bit uh, i have I, I mean i know somebody that was at the dirt preview 
it seemed that Nikki and Tommy really kind of rekindled their friendship. You can see some of the Instagram posts and the Facebook and Twitter posts, you know, with their families for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. You know, Mick has kind of always been kind of the loner of the band. So he was separate from, um, you know, Nikki and Tommy. And then Vince had zero interaction with anybody. And he sat by himself. So there's still that dynamic, I think. However, I do think that they are, they're able to put those issues with each other behind them with, while working with the dirt. And they realize that maybe they could do this again. I think a lot of us, I don't know about you, but, you know, a lot of the fans, and I was certainly watching social media closely and that kind of stuff during the filming of the dirt. I'm like, please let them get back together and kind of like rekindle the old friendships and, and the gang and that kind of stuff, like you said. And I noticed that, that Tommy and Nikki, um, what was it? It was like right after they, the filming finished, they spent July 4th together or something like that. And I was like, okay, hopefully we're on the right track here. Um, but then, you know, I couldn't really tell from the premiere, like what, what had happened and if, uh, if they kind of got back together or what. But um, I was certainly just kind of watching. Even if, if nothing came of it, just for them to kind of, you know, be friends again, because it's, we all know all the stories about how, you know, Nikki's the CEO of Motley and everybody else is kind of an employee and all that stuff. Those things tend to, you know, I don't know if that's true though. Diminish. I, no. I, yeah. I don't know. if I, I mean, I think Nikki is the face of Motley crew. Um, but I think it's, it's Mick and Nikki that make a lot of the decisions for crew. Um, because I think at some, you know, at, at, at certain points of their history Vince and Tommy both left the band and I think they may have given up their rights as a shareholder of the band and then when they came back they were you know they were deemed independent contractors I don't know if that's true I've heard that so I think it's more or less Mick and Nikki making the decisions but Nikki is out in front the face of Motley Crue with the interviews and the press and all that well, one thing's for sure, I think it's going to be a huge production and a show not to be missed because Nikki put um, the Heroin Diaries on basically on the back burner, like it's still happening, but this has kind of come to the forefront of all of their focus. Um, so I am super excited about that. It's kind of like, so all my you know, trepidation stuff we talked about a few minutes ago is, is pretty much gone at this point. I'm sure by the time the show gets here, I'm going to Wrigley in Chicago the end of August to see it. Um, I'll be super psyched as much as ever. Yeah, I'm excited too. I, you know, I haven't seen them in in years, and I know my son wants to see them, and I want him to experience that. So it's definitely on our, our, on our list of things to do. But taking a step back a bit, let's talk about how smart they were in announcing the tour why they announced the tour when they did. I think it was genius what they, how they rolled this out. I mean, obviously the news broke because the Black Crows manager mentioned something on an interview he did about, you know, Crew and Leopard and whatnot. But I think it's amazing that you know, Alan Kovac, the, the manager of Crew, I think was really the driving force with, with getting this, getting out in front of the summer tour announcements and the festival announcements before the end of the year. Uh, you know, there there's only so much money to go around. And from what I understand, 2020 is going to be a big year for a lot of tours. We have ACDC rumored to be touring. 
There is the rumor of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest touring. I don't know if that's going to be in the States or if it's going to be Europe or if it's going to be both. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure there's going to be more acts to be to, to, to be announced. I, I think Aerosmith might be doing something. I don't know. But I just, you know, the summer tours are announced from January to the end of March. And for Motley Crue to get in front of that and realize that, you know, the ticket prices for the show are are very high. I mean, let's, let's, not, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, compared to a lot of tours over the years, this is one of the highest in terms of ticket prices. I could be wrong, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that. And they have a great package with Def Leppard, Poison, and Joan Jett. But they knew that they had to be first in line. I think Black Crows was the only one that announced prior to Motley Crue. But, you know, if people are blowing hundreds of dollars on Motley Crue tickets, you know, where does that leave ACDC? Where does it leave the other bands? I mean, I think having David Lee Roth open up for Kiss is a direct answer to the Motley Crue tour and the tours coming. Because Kiss had been using a painter. How about that? I yeah. thought the same thing. Yeah, Kiss, yeah. Had, Kiss had been, yeah. been using a painter as their opening act on the first run of their end of the road tour. And, you know, someone said had to say something to Gene and Paul and say, listen, if you want to put fannies in the seats, it's going to be a very competitive market come spring and summer. You need to put someone else on the bill that's going to draw interest. And say what you want about David Lee Roth. His profile has been raised over the last few years. Obviously, Van Halen was a big discussion in 2019 with them reuniting possibly, and then now with the health concerns about Eddie Van Halen. I think putting David Lee Roth on that bill was a very smart thing to do by Kiss as a result of the Motley Crue Def Leppard tour. Yep, agree. Super smart. I mean, David Lee Roth is like kind of, you know, Van Halen was pre-Motley Crue as far as very, very first to start playing at Gazzari's and like all the places in, um, in Hollywood when everything came around. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a great choice. And personally, I, I love them. I think it'd be a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of those places that Kiss is playing, they're circling back after they've already played either close to those venues that they're playing or they're playing different venues in different areas where they already came. So yeah, that, that's a direct answer to the Motley Crue tour. I mean, and now when you look at Motley Crue, and everyone kept saying, you know, a lot of my friends who are Crue fans, they're not going to sell out any of that stuff. Those tickets, who's going to pay that? Well, guess what, people? People are paying it. I mean, they just added, I think, six or eight more shows in the last few weeks. Uh, I think Miller Park is sold out. I think... Everywhere. That broke the fastest record. The fastest, and the it, it broke the record, and it was the fastest sellout for Miller Park in Milwaukee. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and every, so, yeah, every yeah. other place is close to selling out. They sold a shitload of tickets after that announcement. I mean, you can't deny that. So these theories that Motley Crue wasn't going to, because it was out, had outpriced themselves, that's not the case at all. Well, it's also, it's not Motley Crue with, some unknown, you know, when I saw, um, they've had some kind of, not necessarily unknown, but like some definitely opening acts. I mean, arguably, if you look on social media, certainly, um, there's a, a large enough crowd saying, well, I just can't wait to see Death Leopard. I just can't wait to see Poison. So it's kind of like a, 
a bill of three salad acts. My preference, obviously, is Motley, but um, I think it's really cool. They included Joan Jett because she, you know, goes way back to the connection with the Runaways. And Nikki was on the scene with the Runaways, um, you know, mid to late 70s. So I love that. But it, it's not really like Motley show and then three unknown acts. Um, you know, it, plenty of people think that Def Leppard and Poison are, are right up there as well. Yeah, I, of course, have have voiced my disappointment in not having an unknown opening act, but I understand the package, and I understand the need to put butts in the seats and, and make the return on investment. You know, last time I checked, I, said, I think the numbers were $3 million per show for Crew, $2 million for Leopard, I think it was 750000 for Poison, and that was before Joan Jett had been announced. I don't think her numbers had had been uh, had been released. So that's a huge nut for a venue for a promoter yeah. to to pay out each show. And you know, knowing that when you look at the gate times for or the show times for the tour, I mean, you, you know, you're four thirty on some of them, five thirty on others. So you're getting people in the park for seven hours, okay? And that's a lot of money to be spent on alcohol. That's a lot of money to be spent on merch, parking. You know, if you're at a 40,000-people venue, you figure there's going to be at least 25,000 cars, you know, 20,000 cars, maybe half, you know. So, you know, there is a huge amount of money to make for this tour. The ticket prices are what they are, but... Yeah, disappointed that there's not an opening act that's an unknown, like a Dirty Honey or even the Struts. I know Motley Crue has taken out acts before, but I understand why they did it because they really, they had, they got to make money and they got to put people in the park. If you have an unknown act leading off the lineup at 435, people aren't going to get there till 637, you know, or six o'clock. So they lose a couple hours of making money, you know. And they, so the, the confirmation that I got was that I mentioned that I have the VIP package. So meet and greet is included. And it says four o'clock at Wrigley Field. And I was like, I wonder if that's when the VIP um, meet and greet starts, but it could just be for the show. Who knows? Because Wrigley has a pretty strict, um, you know, time that has to end at 11 o'clock. So I wondered about that. Um, but second thing that you said that I wanted to comment on their last show in uh, the Staples Center in Los Angeles. Um, New Year's Eve 2015. That was how I discovered the Struts. That was the first time that I saw them, heard of them, and it was amazing. So I was like, and then, you know, I kind of found out later it was like Nikki's pet project. So, um, yeah, it would have been great. Can you imagine if he would have brought out like three um, other up and coming acts? That would have been pretty amazing. I'm, I'm not as excited about Poison and Def Leppard for no other reason than, it's, I mean, to me, the, the crew just overshadows all of that. So, it's, it's kind of more of a cruise show to me, but um, I'll definitely be around for, for the other acts as well, but just not as meaningful. And let's not deny the money that was thrown at crew for this. I mean, that's $150 million. $150 million. So, you know, a, a lot of people who say, oh, they, you know, the, the, the integrity or their credibility is, is blown. Let me tell you something. Someone's throwing $150 million at you. Um, I don't know of anyone that would turn that down. So it's all about money. Let's yeah. just 
be, you know, call it what it is. It's all about money. Absolutely. They did see the opportunity after the dirt, right? Dirt had, or Netflix had kind of looked at Vicky, like streaming and that kind of stuff. I'm sure they didn't anticipate that. And he said, um, yeah, it was, it was a, an interview, maybe from when he was at Comic-Con, I think in October. But he said, um, I, I had no reason to think that was going to happen. I was just happy to get my project made. We spent the $10 million. So many people had advised against it. So when Nikki said that he's got an opportunity for, you know, a whole new set of fans, because that was what they heard the first justification about the, the, um, the stadium tour, right? It's like, oh, well, the success of the dirt has given us a lot more fans that we can focus on, and they want to hear more from us, and they want to see more from us. So, okay, you know, that's, that's pretty legit. Um, that was the last reason I would have expected. So, you know, I think we're all kind of like, it's money is king. You know, if, if somebody's going to pay them off of this, when, like we talked about, they're pretty much just not doing anything spectacular individually anyway, right? Um, that's another thing is, like, back to, you know, early 80s, when they talk about we're gang, and the four of us together create something special that's never duplicated separately. Yet again, I think we're kind of seeing that, right? Nikki's had some success with his Heroin Diaries Broadway production, you know, when it, when it comes out, um, Tommy's not doing much. Ben has a solo tour, kind of the same thing he's been doing. Um, Nick hasn't really been heard from, but individually they're just not the same as they are when they're together. So that part makes me really happy. And I think all the old school true crew fans feel the same way. Let's not forget, or let's not underestimate what has happened to Van Halen and how that played into keeping themselves relevant. And let me kind of explain my thought on this. Motley Crue releases The Dirt in this, you know, this past spring, in May. Opens up a whole new audience, a younger audience that maybe, not, maybe that was not familiar with their music. It reconnects their old fans to the music they grew up with. The Netflix audience was huge it's one of the at one point it was one of the most highest rated movies on netflix the critics hated it okay which is perfect which plays into what motley crew wanted okay but it opened up so many avenues of opportunity with newer fans not only that but the song the dirt was their most popular song since kickstart my heart so they have this movie they have this song. They own all their own music. They own the rights to all their music. Now they're relevant again with a younger generation. My son still hasn't seen it yet because I think he's, he's only 14. I'm kind of debating whether I should let him watch it after he, you know, maybe this year or the next year. The opening scene, obviously, is something that, do I want my 14-year-old son to see that? Not at this point, but whatever. And I'm sure he's going to see it on his own, somewhere with his friends. That's a, that's a whole different topic. As much as we love the crew, there's no, yeah, there's yeah. no question. Like, yeah. Yeah, 14 year old maybe not the box audience. So, we all know where you're coming from on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, but beside, that's beside the point. But so, so now the younger crowd hears all this stuff about the dirt, how like it was shocking and all these scenes in it. And of course, when you, when a younger generation hears that, they want to see it. So, then it opens the door to their music. Now, 
where I bring Van Halen into this, Van Halen has become irrelevant. Okay, Van Halen is virtually disappearing from what from relevancy in terms of the younger generation. They have no connection to the younger generation. Billy Ellish stated in an interview with Jimmy Kimmel, she didn't know who Eddie Van Halen was. And it's not because of lack of you know the, the good music. It's because Van Halen has done nothing, virtually nothing, in the last 20 years to remain relevant. Their songs are never in commercials. Songs are never in movies. They've done, what, one album in 20 years? With, with, and that's not even with new material on it. Now with the health of Eddie Van Halen and you know the, the, the rumored tour of the summer that was close to being done that didn't happen, Van Halen is wiping themselves away from any relevancy with the younger generation. And 10, 20 years from now, that's really going to matter. Okay, I'm sure Van Halen owns all their music rights, too. They, I don't know if they do, but I'm pretty sure that they do. But they've done nothing with it. They've done no anniversary box sets. They've done no remastered or packaged, repackaged remasters or anything like that. So when Van Halen fans cry about, oh, how does the younger generation not know Van Halen and all this stuff, it's their own fault. They've done nothing to, to, to farm new fans. Now compare that to Motley Crue, The Dirt, The Dirt Song, okay? Nikki Six being very accessible with the media and talking to the media and, you know, having every time Motley Crue does something, there is a buzz around it, whether it's good or bad. And I know... He also has his Sixth Sense radio show. He's made efforts. He's made concerted efforts to not disappear and not um, not have Motley Crue unknown. Yeah. Um, do you think it has anything to do with the Van Halen thing? Do you think it has anything to do with, um, you know, kind of the extreme chaotic uh, frontman lead singer um, situation? Well, Maybe they don't want to release really Blackfest or anything. They've got Sammy on so many of the hits, and um, David Lee Roth was, you know, obviously a huge iconic part of the beginning. I, I think, in terms of observing what's happening to one of the biggest bands of the 80s, which is, you know, which is what Aunt Motley Crue was a part of. And if Nikki, Nikki's a very smart man, okay, and he's observing from a distance what's happening to Van Halen, and he sees, says, you know, we own all the rights to our music. We've got this movie, The Dirt, that has created momentum for us and a buzz about us. Let's take advantage of it. Let's connect with these younger fans. Because if you connect with the 14, 15-year-olds right now, 10, 20 years from now when they're 20, 30 and they're professionals in the world and they've got money, they're still going to spend money on Motley Crue, okay? Now compare that to Van Halen. Van Halen's doing nothing. I mean, 10, 20 years from now, if you're a kid that saw the dirt, went and saw their reunion tour, and you're 30 years old and you're a young professional and they're releasing you know, different packages of box sets or whatever. Maybe they're no longer touring, but they're still trying to keep relevant. You're going to spend your money on that. Now, Van Halen? Van Halen comes out with something 10, 20 years from now? Who's Van Halen? I don't remember Van Halen. I remember my dad talking about him, but I don't really, you know, know their music as well as I do with Crew. 
that's that's literally what's happening. If you if you really want to discuss it, I mean, Motley Crue has created a buzz since the movie was released. Now they're doing the tour. The buzz keeps buzzing, right? Van Halen, maybe they're going to do a summer tour. There's rumors that they're asking Michael Anthony. It falls through. Nothing happens. Now there's the health questions with Eddie Van Halen. But outside of that, they've done nothing, nothing to keep themselves relevant over the last 20 years. Nothing. Except for the reunion. The crazy thing about that is we are saying about the teenagers, um, the generation of people who are the new crew fans as a result of the dirt, et cetera, they could realistically influence their kids. And by that, by the time that happens, though we know Motley Crue uh, related back to an influence of their own musical taste, that kind of thing. By the time that happens, it will literally be who's Van Halen. I, I just, you know, read about them in the history of rock and roll that came out 40, 40 years ago or whatever. So it's a, that's a really weird thing. Um, and by the way, so the circle just confirmed maybe three weeks ago, they're going to be touring in 2020. So Michael Anthony is, is you know, with the circle, Sammy Hagar's band now. So, and that, that has, yeah, there. yeah, and that has a lot to do with Eddie's health. I, I think we have seen the you know we will never see a, a live performance from Eddie again, and that tears me up because Van Halen was such a big part of my mm-hmm. life growing up. Definitely, but, me too. But outside of that, outside of his health, Van Halen has done nothing. You know, remasters with bonus tracks. You know, um, the fiftieth anniversary, the fortieth anniversary of Van Halen one. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. They, they didn't do anything like that. Like, you know how, like, Zeppelin or even Guns N' Roses did with Appetite for Destruction or Metallica did with all their albums? They have, like, this big box, and it's got rare perform- live performances. It's got their demos. It's got buttons in it. It's got, you know, a tour program or whatever. None of that from Van Halen. None of that. No, you, you never hear eruption in a commercial. You never hear... Ain't talking about love, the, the beginning riff in a commercial or Panama or any of that stuff. And that's how kids are in a video game. You don't hear any of their music in video game. That's how kids listen to music now. And I think they had, a, had I don't know if it had a lot to do with it, but I think it did influence Nikki's thinking and saying, Van Halen is becoming a thing of, of the past with no sustainable way of, 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 of making any type of revenue. Right, I mean, at some point it's going to have to slow down. You know, if it hasn't already with Van Halen, and they had, they had to play in it with Nicky. I mean, he's in his been his business manager, Alan Kovac, Motley Crue's business manager. I'm sure he maybe he said something, say, "Hey, Nicky, Mick, Tommy, Vince, look at the opportunity we have in front of you. Let's look at Mount Van Halen as an example. Let's not be Van Halen. Let's be mm-hmm. Motley Crue and be relevant and remain relevant and." The other big thing is they still have all four original members alive and kicking. Now, if you would have told me that 30 years ago, if they would all still be alive, I mean, we could, you know, have a discussion on who we would have thought would have made it. But the fact is they've made it. Through I would some, have thought no way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they've got all four members They're They've got the momentum of the movie, the momentum of the song. They'd be crazy, crazy not to do with it. It has nothing to do with credibility. It has nothing to do with integrity. Has everything to do with an opportunity that was created through a movie, basically a movie that everybody loved. If that movie would have died on the vine, there'd be no tour. I guarantee you that. Yeah, 
that's why I think like back to the press release where they had the press conference where they had the tombstones, RIP Motley Crue, all that stuff. Here's the contract we're signing. It's done for real this time. Um, ended up being like they they certainly closed it. They made it look like it was a closed door. But then Nikki posted what are you he posted a meme maybe two months ago. Maybe it wasn't that long ago and it said, um, there is no contract if if we tear it out in the contract was just with us. It's just something to that effect. Um, so that was kind of like, all right. So then that was, he, he kept it open in his mind all along, knowing that this contract, we signed it with ourselves. We're not allowing anybody to sue us. It's just our contract with um, our own band. So ultimately, if they wanted to tear it up, which they did, here they are back on the road. There's a lot of factors as to why they reunited. And you can't fault them for any of it. You know, who knows how much longer they have with the lifestyles that they lived in the 80s and the 90s. You know, I mean, we, we can talk afar from, you know, Vince's condition, you know, his physical condition. We could talk from afar about Tommy Lee and, you know, his vices that he has. Seems like Nikki has, you know, is living a very comfortable life in his own skin right now and enjoys his life and he seems pretty happy you know mick has had his condition for 20 plus years so there's a lot of factors in it too like hey let's take this opportunity of making 150 million and then spinning that into other ways of creating revenue because we own all the rights to our music and let's mick let 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 mick use it as a catalyst for his solo album let tommy use it as a catalyst for his solo album let Nikki use it as a catalyst for the Heroin Diary musical or Broadway rendition and let Vince keep doing what he's going to keep doing in touring. So it benefits the band and it benefits all four members. It'd be feel foolish for them to turn this opportunity down or say no to this opportunity. That's just the way life works, people. I mean, it, it's, it's just the truth. Well, I was talking to someone about this last week and I made the comment, if because have you seen um, the mention on social media of now this is my theory about why Vince canceled all of his solo tour dates I think he wants to strictly focus on getting in shape for this tour that's my thought I thought the same thing no distractions did you yeah there was a picture from a few weeks ago of him in Vegas um, wearing a black sweater he very clearly has already started to slim down he looks a lot better so my comment was if we could get to this to the stadium tour and Vince is in a lot better condition, physical condition and, and you know, which would mean his health is better. I kind of don't like that would be goal number one for me. Um, as a true fan, like everybody's been really concerned and there's been a lot of photos and stuff from his shows. Um, I thought maybe he had a real health concern going on, like something a lot bigger than just gaining weight. Cause it seemed like it was, more than that, I mean, completely just out of concern. Like, I, I get a little upset when people, um, you know, bass on him and that kind of thing. So, I literally, I, if this is a catalyst for him getting in shape, I, I hope that happens. Like, number one, above everything else. Um, just going to keep him healthier, keep around longer. So, they've all made comments about, I think Nick and, and Vince both are working out with, um, I want to say I read the same trainer. It doesn't only really make sense, but I think that's, that's what I read, and uh, that's already underway. 
Um, and it sounds like Mickey's shoulders already kind of healed pretty well. And uh, his focus, he said, is uh, just getting in shape for the tour. I don't really know if Tommy would need to get in shape, right? <laughs> it feels like he's just kind of always in well, shape. Well, yeah, that's, so. that's kind of what I wanted to dive into as well is, you know, the condition of the members of the band, too, to do this tour. Mm-hmm. It's not a long tour. I think it's only two months maybe two and a half months so right now it is right now right now right, it is right. you know we both know yeah that my expectation is they will add dates given ticket sales i bet they will sure sure but so we all know you know nikki seems like he's in in, in pretty good shape he had the shoulder, shoulder surgery he looks great for his age he has you know done right by himself like i said he seems very happy outside of nikki vince Obviously, the physical condition has been a concern for a lot of people. I hate it when fans bag on them on social media because it's such a cowardly way and such a bullshit way to, you know, make your little comments about Vince Neil hiding behind a keyboard and a TV screen when you're probably wearing jorts and the T-shirt probably doesn't cover your belly and you're making fun of Vince Neil and his physical condition. I, I hate that. I hate these keyboards. Those people shouldn't be on the social media site. They're on, they're on fan sites and stuff like that. They don't belong there. Right. If that's, and they continue, they'll stay on there even after the comments are made. They don't belong there. They shouldn't be there at all. Listen, I understand Vince needs to be in better shape. Not just to be on this tour, but just to live a healthy life and to live mm-hmm. longer than, you know, what's expected because of his partying ways and drinking. And I know as you get older... It's harder to maintain a healthy lifestyle when you tour as much as Vince does. You're eating late. You're getting up late. Your system is all messed up. There's a lot of things that factor into it. I don't know if he's drinking again. He very well could be. But the fact remains is what benefit does a person does a person have to just bag on Vince Neal for his weight gain and how he looks? I just think it's just, it's ridiculous. And these people that, you know, sit behind these keyboard, these keyboard bullies and make these comments, just shut up. You know, it's just, it's just, you might think you're funny and idiots may think you're funny, but in in reality, it's, it's, you're embarrassing yourself. That being said. And let's not forget, like, this is a defensive part of me on Vince's behalf. Let's not forget his, prime years he looks better than any of those people ever will yes um so it's just like you know to jump into your judgment seat doesn't make any sense um either support these guys or stay off of the social media comments is how i feel about it i get fired up every time i used to comment now i don't comment um but i definitely always always feel that way yeah no i i i you know how people treat aging rock stars as they sit behind a keyboard is absolutely ridiculous i'd like to see the people that are actually doing the criticism and see how they look, see how, see their, you know, their, their hairline, how much it's receded, you know, what their waistline is compared to what it was 20, 30 years ago. Let's compare, you know, and, and just stay, yeah. Why do you, why do people do that? I don't understand. Now. These guys go through so much scrutiny, but it's like the, the, over the years, the joy that I've gotten from their music and still the attachment to like, I have so many personal circumstances I can think back and relate to songs or lyrics or whatever it is. Starting back to when I was 12 years old. So I'm like, if you're obviously you were a fan enough at one point to, to join this social media group or whatever it is you're doing, like how, how is it that you're like turning against this thing? It's like, um, 
I mean, it's, it's a weird kind of um, disloyalty to yourself, of course, but like certainly the band that's like giving me so much like joy over the years and made you a true rock fan. But then you have know, a different conversation. I want you to know a true fan, are they? If they're going to do that, so. Right. I, I just think that, hey, listen, you know, if he's going to get himself back in shape for this reunion tour, let's support him and let's see what the results are. Yeah. And he's going to sound yeah. better singing wise because he's going to be able to have you know more capacity in his lungs and be in better shape and he's going to sound better. So let's support him. Let's see what he does. I mean, you know, why do we got to shame him for doing that? I, I, I don't understand. We uh-huh. know, you know, we know the condition of Mick. I did read something in the last year that it seemed like the condition had stopped, had stopped like evolving, meaning like the condition he, he's in now, that's what it will be. He will remain in that condition. So it's not getting any worse. Did you read the same thing or am I just thinking of something that I'm, that I'm. I haven't seen that. I yeah. would really love to hear that. Um, I haven't seen that, but I was surprised. And I thought something along those lines when it said that Nick is working out with the trainer because I know, you know, he's really careful about all that. The different times over the years that have, um, you know, been around him, you know, it's like, oh, don't, don't touch him, don't ask for a hug, like that kind of thing because of his condition. So um, I loved hearing that. I was like, great, if he's in good enough shape to work out, fantastic. Yeah. So I'm going to help him, you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I hope the, that, uh, you know, he's, in, he's improving too with his health and his condition as well. Now, the last member is Tommy Lee. And. Mm-hmm. Tommy Lee's trials and tribulations have been documented for decades. Obviously, there was the run-in with his son and the issues he had with, I think it was both of them at some point over the last couple of years. And that's unfortunate. You know, no one likes their personal business played out in public, played out in the press, and unfortunately it went there. I think a lot of it went there because of his ex-wife, Pamela Anderson, who was always trying to uh-huh. get attention. She kind of started it. Yeah, she's uh-huh. always... She's yep. always trying to remain in the public eye, you know, and, and the thing that before we go into Tommy, the thing that really pisses me off about Pam Anderson is he she she goes after Tommy Lee about stuff that happened decades ago. I'm not saying what Tommy Lee did was good. I'm not condoning what he did. What he did was bad. Domestic abuse is never acceptable. OK, but he paid his dues. He went to jail. OK. And he hasn't had any incidents, as far as I know, since then. Okay? So instead of us judging him on his worst moments, let's judge him on how he hasn't been in trouble or had any of those issues since then. So why are we... He appears to be someone who's learned from it and making real efforts to not repeat it. But also, doesn't that kind of make you wonder if how much of it was Pam? Because it does me. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah. I wonder if it was Pam. I mean, obviously, if the issues are with Pam, you know, it you still can't put your hands on a woman and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I and I agree with all that. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that you know, even the judge said that during one of his trials that like there seems to be a common person who's always involved in these incidents with you. You know, something to that mm-hmm. effect, and maybe stay away from that person, and you won't have these issues. So. Uh-huh. He pretty much has. So she did this interview with Pierce Morgan, you know, uh, in the UK. I don't know if it was this past year or 2018, but, you know, she brought up the past and then it brought all this attention on what Tommy Lee did. And Tommy Lee made these comments. Son supposedly got mad. This was all in the press. I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what was, you know, Tommy Lee denies the reasons why and 
There's two sides to every story, so I'm not going to get into that. But there was an incident with his son, Brandon, and unfortunately it was all over the news and all over the press. It's unfortunate. I know, you know, me, uh, me being a common citizen, if I have an issue with my son, it's not going to be in the news like this is. But there was mention about his drinking. But let me, oh, let me finish my comment about Pam before I go. So Pam does this interview with, with Pierce Morgan about something that happened 20 years ago with Tommy Lee, 25 years ago. Yet, she's hooking up with the dude from WikiLeaks who has exposed all this, you know, corruption in governments. Julian, it's Julian Assange. And, yeah, yeah, and, and he, he's been charged, he's been accused of rape. Yet, she says it's not true, these accusations are not true. She's a victim of domestic abuse. So she's telling us Julian Assange is is innocent. He never did those things when she was not there or present when these you know because you know when these accusations came about or what the actions were. But yet she goes on Pierce Morgan and she like just completely rails against Tommy Lee and how he is this type of person, this bad person, blah blah blah. It's like, come on. You can't have it both ways. You can't. Yep, definitely. She's, uh, she seems to grab on any opportunity, I think, to, to have some camera time. Um, and that includes, my opinion, that includes the stuff with Tommy. Because so, he he's kept his nose clean. Um, he seems like he's, he's really making an effort. He's, you know, married to his new wife. And they get married in 2019, I think. Um, or maybe it was 2018. I think it was earlier in the year, 2019. Um, Brittany, and she's got that podcast and everything. So he seems like his life has slowed down a little bit. Um, and it was just kind of explosive when he was with Pam. But um, it's her, her definitely having involvement in the media anytime she gets a chance. Um, it's, I think it was an interesting part of the dynamic with the problems she had. Well, that was my next point because he was recently on his wife's podcast, Brittany Furlan, who does the Worst First podcast. And <laughs> she, I, I love it. I, I've, I've watched a few episodes and I think it's great. Um, it's a lot of fun. She's had Nikki on there. She's had John Five and his wife on there. She does, and her latest guest was Bill Burr, the comedian. And during the interview, and I'm surprised this hasn't been picked up by more outlets, but during the interview, Bill Burr mentions that he doesn't drink anymore. And Tommy said, "Congrats, neither do I. I'm, I'm in the program." And I was like, "Wow." I'm like, so maybe he has looked at himself and said, Hey, I need some help with, with some things and, and kudos to him and, and congratulations to him. If he is taking steps to correct some things that are affecting his life. That's great. I did not know that. So um, I'm excited to hear that. Maybe that's his version of kind of training and getting ready for um, the stadium tour. Like Vince and Nick working out with well and Nick working out with trainers. Maybe that's Tommy's version of uh, kind of prepping. I think that's great. I love it. Yeah, I was happy to hear that and happy that he mentioned that because, you know, there let's face it, I mean, Nikki or Tommy was the face of Motley Crue back in the day. It's now now Nikki Six and we all know the reputation Tommy had. Tommy's such a lovable guy, he's always a happy go lucky guy, pretty laid back, salt of the earth type of dude, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, but but his his addictions have been documented too as well. So it's good that he's taking necessary steps to correct that and better himself. 
that kind of uh, sort of related, but back to um, the VIP experience on this tour, for the stadium tour, um, all four guys are participating. Um, I, I wonder if that was a condition. Uh, we need to do this, but only if we're all going to do it. They've never all four participated in a VIP meet and greet experience previously. Um, Tommy, per, Tommy has been the person who's been holding out. At one point, only Vince and Nikki were doing it. Nick started to participate um, and was mostly involved, but, but the four of them never have done the meet and greet thing all together, but now they are on the stadium tour. The four of them are going to be there signing stuff in the pictures. Um, those are the details that were shared. So I think that's, that's pretty exciting. That is, that's a huge thing too. I mean, you know, you're probably right. You know, their, their, their state of mind and their condition had to be part of some sort of contracts with these meet and greets. You can't put them in front of, you know, 200 people or 50 people or however many people it is when they're half in the bag or, you know, they're not feeling good because of the night before or they're just not into it. I mean, you have to, if people are spending the amount of money that they will spend on a VIP experience, you know, they have to be at the top of their game and I'm sure they had a lot to do with it. Tommy made comments previously. He just thought it was unfair, didn't like the way that they were charging fans for this experience didn't want anything to do with it um again they might be back to you know money kind of conquers all um and it's worth it to him whatever he's making from this because all four of them are doing it so he's also been pretty vocal too about interactions with fans i mean i know he has posted things during his you know on social media or in interviews about how he doesn't owe the fans anything he doesn't owe the fans a handshake he doesn't owe the fans an autograph a hug, a picture, whatever, if he's out and about, you know, in his personal life, you know, at a restaurant, eating with his family or whatever, I agree with him on that. He doesn't owe the fans anything. As a fan, if you go up to a movie star, a musician, an athlete at a restaurant, and he's with his family eating dinner, that could go one of two ways. That could go with, hey, man, no problem. I'll be more than happy to do it. Or it could be the get the fuck out of here. I'm eating dinner with my family. Don't bother me. I have to say, if I was in that person, I think it's a roll of the dice. It is. It's a roll of the dice. Yeah. You're gonna pro- yeah. If you're going to approach someone who's at dinner with their family, get ready. It might be a disappointing experience for you. I wouldn't blame them if they don't want to, you know, accommodate. But you know, there's going to be a fan taking a, you know, taking a video of it. And then that video is going to be all over TMZ and all over these, you know, Paris Hilton sites and, whatever and and it's going to be tommy lee you know uh swears at fans berates fan you know at at a restaurant (laughs) or you know nikki six does this or vince neal does that meanwhile you probably didn't see the video of them going hey man you know i'll take care of you if you want to wait for me when i'm done eating you know i'll be fine no 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 man i'm leaving right now can you just do it now hey man i'm eating dinner, dinner with my with my family you want to wait you can wait out in the parking lot for me i'll be more than happy to do it yeah but i'm leaving now i got places to go and then all of a sudden tommy lee stands up and berates the guy and mfs the guy and f-bombs him and then that's what you see but you don't see him like politely saying hey man i'm eating dinner with my family why don't you just wait for me till after i'm done right because we live in an entitled well, society you know? i don't know if you remember like when tommy said those things what what led up to that was and then he kind of backtracked a little bit and it, it said he was sort of taken out of context 
um, later on. But what that came from was, and maybe you remember this, he picked up his mother's ashes after she passed away. He picked them up from the funeral home. And apparently the person who was working there when he was like, hey, I'm, I'm here to you know, pick up my mom's ashes, did like a, oh my gosh, I'm a huge fan. And then somebody not long, like when he walked out, also recognized him and did the whole, hey, can I get a picture? And he just freaked out. And he said a bunch of stuff. And I think later he did stick to it. He said like, you know, I don't owe anybody anything. This was like a really personal time for me and all that kind of stuff. But he did kind of stick to like, I don't need to, you know, if I'm out doing something with my family or whatever, I don't really need to do anything, but that's what started all that. Um, and then I really, I really kind of felt for him. I understood where it was coming from. It did sound harsh, the things that he said, but that's kind of brutal. You know, you can't even, the way he felt was like he couldn't even go pick up his mom's ashes without somebody kind of respecting um, what he was doing. If Those you, are the words that he is. I just, I just wanted to be respected in that time. If, if you yeah, I mean, if you're at a crematory, right, and you're picking up ashes of a loved one, and someone asks you for a picture or an autograph or tells you what a big fan you are, I mean, I, why, why do people feel that's acceptable behavior to do that? I would that's never. That's kind of how I. I yeah, mean, I would never yeah. do that. Like, I naturally it, defend these guys anyway. I naturally will defend the crew first, but that one was kind of extra. Man, I totally know where he's coming from on that. And he did say a bunch of things. He did use a bunch of F-bombs and say, like, leave me the fuck alone and all this. Can I go any, anywhere or do anything without people bugging me? And it didn't, it just sounded like ungrateful to the fans, but that was where it initiated. So I actually totally felt for him. Yeah. So this, this performance here, this tour, I hope they don't do the standard hits the, you know, I hope they throw a couple of deep cuts in there. I hope they play the new song, the dirt. Um, you know, I hope they, they, they change it up a little bit, play it, play maybe a couple songs that they don't, they don't normally play. What do you think they're going to do? I think they should play the dirt because, well, the reasoning, um, that they came out with initially was we have a whole new group of fans after the dirt and the success of the dirt on Netflix. So they should do that. Um, they should but, open yeah. with, that. I mean, they I should would like open with the dirt. And it's cool that it's a stadium tour, but, you know, if they would have had the dirt tour, that would have been great, too. Yeah, I... I like an opening band. I've heard some things that originally this was just going to do to be the Motley Crue, like, celebration tour. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I guess those conversations kind of led to the package tour of them and Def Leppard. And then it led to Poison, which led to Joan Jett. So... I think there was a conversation. Your opinion. Yeah. I, I, I Do you think, think um, that and Poison were buffers to ensure ticket sales? Because they weren't sure that after being gone for four years, they could do it. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it, it, yeah, I don't know if it was buffers. I just, maybe it was, maybe that was the motivation. Maybe you're right on that. Um, I just think it was more money. I think it was, hey, you know, you could go out and make this amount of money, X amount of dollars doing this and having, you know, a young band open up for you, or we could package you with Def Leppard and it could be this. And then they threw the money at them and then they said, all right, well, we need one more big name band. 
and then they threw it they threw poison in there and they said well why don't we just make it four keep people in the in the stadium longer Joan Jet poison Def Leppard Motley Crue and there we're going to make our money I think it all I think it all stemmed on dollar amounts I think again it was going to be like a Motley Crue celebration tour from what I've heard from a from a few different sources but um I think that it then people Live Nation approached them about doing a package with Def Leppard because Def Leppard always does these package tours they did last year with Journey I forget who they did I think the year before that was with Tesla um and I think Cheap Trick has been in there a few times with them but they've always kind of done that they've never really had over in the last decade you know young bands touring with them like Crew has had in the past mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so well I'm excited. You know, I, I, I know, again, I'm not going to go see the Motley Crue from 1987 or 1985 in that era, but I'm excited to share the moment with my son who's never seen them, who's, I mean, we were over at your house, what, three months ago, four months ago, and, and uh, yeah. you know, your, your husband and, and, and my son went downstairs and, and charted on guitar the whole Too Fast for Love album. <laughs> I mean, you know, what other 14-year-old kid is willing to do that? I'm excited for him to see them as well. Yeah, I am too. No one, no 14-year-old deserves it more. <laughs> yes, yes. And I think, you know, like when he heard the news, I picked him up from school like the next day, and he goes, so, are we going to go see Crew? And I'm like, you want to? He's like, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally I want to see Crew. Right. And I'm like. That's great. Yeah. So I think I, 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 have, I had sworn off the big stadium shows after Metallica a few years ago, but mm-hmm. I'll do it for my son because he wants to see crew. And, you know, he's like, I don't really care about Duff Leopard or Poison. We can go late. You know, we don't have to go see them. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, I'm like, well, we'll work it out. Maybe we'll get a hotel down in the city and, you know, we'll Uber over so we don't have to pay 50 bucks for parking or whatever. It should be It's fun. going to be an event for yeah. sure. It'll be great. Yeah. It would be amazing. It would be it would be amazing. If you you know, a few minutes ago you mentioned some of the the songs and stuff. Like this could be an entirely different show, but if they would pull out something like like Starry Eyes, um occasionally they do play Louder Than Hell live, but like Starry Eyes Merry Go Round, I mean those were those were key, key hits to me, um, in my introduction to them. So that would be such a treat. They probably won't. I'm gonna be realistic. I'm not expecting that. It'd be great. When's the last time they did On With The Show? Uh, they played On With The Show during the final tour. I saw them maybe four okay. times on the final tour. They played it at all those shows. That's a must, especially because we're talking, you know, he's the success of the dirt and he's got new fans, et cetera, et cetera. That's a big part of um, why we know Motley Crue the way we do today. So On With The Show's got to be in there, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. As long as we don't hear Like A Virgin on the tour, uh, I'm good. I know. That goes away forever. I, I yeah, definitely make sure that that comment gets on this, makes it to this um, broadcast because I, I don't ever want to hear that again. It was done personally. Yes, yes, that was a, it's a dark moment in the crew history. Let the like a virgin cover. It is. Yes. Sure is. Yep. Um. Yep. Anyway, this was fun. Leave that there. I I, I, I thank, you, thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, I mean, we, we you can't be. You can't wait so long to be on the show. I mean, you know, last time you were on was in July. So we got to fix that. That's 
crazy. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, well, anytime the crew, anytime we're talking about the crew, I'm here. Yes. I know we've got plans to do another show here in the, in the new year. We'll talk offline about that, but Sharice, thank you again for doing the podcast, doing the show. Happy new year to you. Jay, always a pleasure. Happy new year to you. Once again, everybody, this is Jay Scott. This is the hook. Happy new year. Welcome to 2020. Keep rocking and we will talk again soon. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I gotta borrow one from Ted? What is happening? Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.